Surah Al-Shura is a Makki Surah and as you are familiar in Makki Surahs the theme is mainly Tawheed, Akhirah and this is what we see in these verses that the result of dunya is also mentioned and the result of akhirah is also mentioned. And it's as if we're being given a choice that choose what is it that you want. Do you want temporary success or do you want eternal success? Do you want temporary benefit or do you want eternal benefit? And then we see the consequences of that are also mentioned. That how those who choose akhirah, then where will they be? They will be in rawdatil jannat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among such. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فِي رَوْضَاتِ الْجَنَّاتِ In the lushest parts of Jannah. لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُونَ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ They shall have whatever they want and the best is عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ Near their Lord. And ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَضْلُ الْكَبِيرِ That is the great bounty, the great favor. And then in the following verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that ذَلِكَ الَّذِي يُبَشِّرُ اللَّهُ عِبَادَهُ أَلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ If you want to be the one who is given this good news, who is receiving this good news, what good news? That of رَوْضَاتِ الْجَنَّاتِ of الْفَضْلُ الْكَبِيرِ Then what is necessary? Iman and amal salih. Both are necessary. And then we see that since it is a Makki surah, the Prophet ﷺ is also defended. His prophethood, his truthfulness, that is also established, it is defended. And that is what we see in the following verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ayah number 24, that, أَمْ يَقُولُونَ افْتَرَى Or do they say, افْتَرَى He fabricated, he invented. Do they accuse Muhammad ﷺ of inventing the Qur'an? Iftara ala Allahi upon Allah kadiban a lie. And what is that lie that they're accusing him of? That he is saying that he's a prophet, that he's receiving revelation from Allah, whereas in reality he's not receiving revelation from Allah. So Allah says, Am Yaquluna iftara ala Allahi kadiba. Are they saying that the most honest man who is known as As-Sadiq and Amin, who has a clear record, never accused of lying, he would dare to lie about Allah? That doesn't match. It doesn't add up. And then, فَإِن So if, Yasha, he wanted, Allahu Allah. If Allah wanted, يَخْتِم He would set a seal. خَتَمِيم Khatama. Also means to come to an end, like Khatmul Quran, alright? To reach the end, but it also means to set a seal, because a seal is set on something when the matter is completed. So for example, you're writing a letter, you're mailing something important, you put it in the envelope, and then you seal it. That's the last thing you do. And when you seal it, that means you can't add anything, you can't take anything out. So if Allah wanted, يَخْتِمْ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ He could have set a seal upon your heart. And what does this mean? That He could have set a seal upon your heart such that you wouldn't be able to invent anything more. Meaning Allah could have prevented you from lying about Allah. Isn't that possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Definitely it is. And the thing is that when the heart is sealed, what does it mean? It doesn't comprehend. It doesn't comprehend, it doesn't feel. And we know that in order to invent things, right? even if it's you know, like an assignment you're writing, a paragraph you're writing, and it has to be all fictional, then don't you have to think a lot? Isn't it? When you're, when you're writing about 
real stuff, you don't have to think that much. But when you're making things up, you have to use a lot of imagination. Isn't it? So, يَخْتِمْ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكْ Basically what this means is that how much can a person really lie? If you were really lying, if Muhammad ﷺ was really lying, how much could he have possibly lied? There is a limit to it. Isn't it? I mean, eventually people's imagination or whatever they can come up with, you know, all of their mind, their mental effort, it reaches its maximum capacity. You know, for example, you hear about these famous books or famous movies, the first one comes out and the second one comes out, the third one comes out, the fourth one, and then eventually people run out of ideas. Isn't it? So then they have to invent something even more crazy and something even more crazy. But what do we see? The Qur'an is consistent in its message, in its themes. It could not be a product of a person's imagination. The Qur'an cannot be, or the religion of Islam cannot be fictional. It cannot be based upon lies. Because there is so much completeness, it is complete. And in addition to that, it is so consistent. So, فَإِن يَشَاءِ اللَّهُ يَخْتِمْ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ Allah could have set a seal upon your heart and you wouldn't be able to invent anymore. وَيَمْحُو And He would erase. Allahu Allah. Meaning Allah would erase, eliminate al-batil, the falsehood. Meaning the falsehood that a person invents, eventually what happens? It is eliminated. It is forgotten. Or people consider it as something wrong and they leave it. وَيُحِقُّ الْحَقَّ and he establishes the truth بِكَلِمَاتِهِ with his words. And this is also referring to the Qur'an. That through the Qur'an, Allah eliminates falsehood and he establishes the truth by his words. Which words? The Qur'an. إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ Indeed, he is knowing of that which is within the breasts. Meaning that which people conceal of their doubts. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fully aware of that. In Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 103, also it is mentioned, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ إِنَّمَا يُعَلِّمُهُ بَشَرٌ Certainly we know that people say that a human being teaches Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But that is not possible. It is not possible. Because again, 23 years, so much consistency, so much to this religion, it could not be based upon lies. I mean, the thing is that when it comes to any Islamic science, Right. Any Islamic ruling, what is it founded upon? What's the basis of that? What is the basis of that? The text of Qur'an and Sunnah. Isn't it? We have to take dalil, we have to take evidence from where? The sources. Any person's opinion, all right, any person's opinion, it doesn't carry any weight if that opinion is not based upon Qur'an and Sunnah. So the entire religion of Islam, all of its sciences are based upon what? That which was taught within those 23 years. And that is a proof of the truthfulness of Muhammad wasallam. Because if you compare this with other religions, what do we see? That books were written all right, many, many years later. All right? In our tradition, it's not that books were written, hadith was written, it was just recorded. It was there from the beginning. It was just recorded. And why was it that it was not recorded in the time of the Prophet ﷺ? The way, for example, Imam Bukhari recorded hadith. Because at that time, people didn't write and read much. There was emphasis on memorization, on oral tradition. Correct? So, 
This is proof of the truthfulness of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In Surah Al-Haqqah, ayah number 44, Allah says, وَلَوْ تَقَوَّلَ عَلَيْنَا بَعْضَ الْأَقَاوِيلِ That if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam invented even some statements about Allah, meaning he invented them and he attributed them to Allah, he said something of his own desire, he invented even part of the religion, then what would happen? لَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُ بِالْيَمِينَ ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَا مِنْهُ الْوَتِينَ That certainly we would seize him and we would cut off his vein. Meaning he wouldn't be able to continue lying so much. It wouldn't be possible. It really wouldn't be possible. Allah would not allow it. In Surah Al-Najm also Allah says, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى Muhammad sallallahu does not speak from his own desire. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ Yuha. It is only revelation that is revealed upon him that he recites and he conveys. Allah says, وَهُوَ الَّذِي Remember it's a Makki surah. Typical Makki themes are mentioned over here. So, وَهُوَ الَّذِي And he is the one who يَقْبَلُ He accepts التَّوْبَةَ The repentance. From who? عَنْ عِبَادِهِ From his servants. Allah accepts repentance from his servants. What is repentance? That a person feels bad about what he has done. There is remorse, regret. And then a person abandons the wrong that he was doing, meaning he doesn't continue doing it anymore. Not like a person is watching something horrible and he says, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, and then he keeps watching. That is not repentance. Repentance is, I shouldn't have done that and I'm going to stop right now. And I'm not going to do it again. And repentance is that you seek forgiveness also. So the third is that you seek forgiveness for the wrong that was done. The fourth condition is that you make amends also. Make amends. So for example, if wrong was done to another person, then a person would do good to them. All right. If they stole something of theirs, they would return it. Depending on the sin, islah is necessary. And then the fifth is, that a person must have this firm resolve to never return to that sin again. At least have that intention. Don't do istighfar with the intention of committing that sin again. You see, we think, if I am seeking forgiveness, that means I should never repeat the sin again. And then we ask ourselves, or, or we tell ourselves that, it's not possible, I'm a human being, I'm definitely going to make this mistake again. Isn't it? And then we say, you know what? Since I'm going to make this mistake again, I might as well not seek forgiveness for it. This is shaitan's trap. What we need to do is, when we are repenting, when we're seeking forgiveness, have the intention and the resolve that I will do my best not to repeat this again. But know that you will repeat it. Or you will do some other mistake. But the thing is that every time you do make a mistake, what do you have to do? Return. Return. Because all of the children of Adam, who are they? What is their reality? What is our reality? We make mistakes. But the best of people are who? Those who repent and those who seek forgiveness. So, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَقُبَلُ التَّوْبَةَ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ He accepts repentance from his servants. And remember that repentance is of two types also. One type, the first category of tawbah is tawbatul kul. Tawbatul kul. Kul, what does kul mean? All, meaning entirety. 
So for example, a person says, Oh Allah, I repent to you from every sin that I have committed. Oh Allah, forgive me for all the sins that I have committed. This is like general. Okay? So for example, when you're saying, Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh. Alright, and you're saying it a hundred times in the morning or a hundred times in the evening. You're saying, Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh. Now every time you say, Atubu ilayh, are you repenting for a specific sin? Maybe a sin comes to your mind and you're consciously repenting from that sin, but not each time. So what do you mean by that? That all of my sins and all of my errors and all of my mistakes and all of my shortcomings, oh Allah, I repent to you. Tawbatul kul. This is also similar to how a person would accept Islam. They're accepting Islam as what? Repenting from all the wrong they have ever done. Or for instance, a person has been, as a Muslim, they have been doing a lot of wrong things. And then they change themselves. So that is tawbatul kul. And Allah accepts tawbatul kul also. The second category is of tawbatul juz. What does juz mean? Part, right? Your juz test. So juz. What is juz? A part of something. So tawbatul juz is seeking or repenting from a specific sin. Repenting from a specific sin. So for example, you realize that there's just been too many wrong things going on. right? So for example, that your behavior with your brother is not really nice at all. Right? You've been rude to him and you've been interrupting him and you, know, you haven't really been talking to him nicely. and So you're feeling bad about that. So you are... Consciously seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for your mistreatment of your brother. And that is something that we should do, by the way. Because we think it's halal and you know it's perfectly fine to be mean and rude and harsh with your siblings. They're also human beings, right? And they deserve good treatment. So وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَقْبَلُ التَّوْبَةَ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ He accepts tawbah, whether complete or partial. وَيَعْفُو And he pardons عَنِ السَّيِّئَاتِ From the evils. Meaning he pardons the misdeeds that people do, that people perform. Meaning there are many sins that people do and they don't even realize they have done them. And if they haven't even realized, will they seek forgiveness? No, they won't. When can we apologize to someone? When we realize we've done something wrong. And if we don't even realize, will we apologize? No, we won't. So, يَعْفُوا عَنِ السَّيِّئَاتِ He pardons them for so many wrongs they do, just like that. Without even their tawbah. يَعْفُوا عَنِ السَّيِّئَاتِ وَيَعْلَمُوا And he knows مَا تَفْعَلُونَ That which you do. He knows every single deed that you do. And this is why it is necessary that we seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for sins that, all sins that we have committed, knowingly or unknowingly, consciously, unconsciously, and specifically seeking forgiveness for that which Allah knows about us. That which Allah knows about us, and we may not even know about ourselves. Isn't that possible? For instance, nifaq in our hearts, hypocrisy in our hearts, or 
envy and jealousy in our hearts that we don't recognize. Or certain bad characteristics that we don't even recognize in ourselves. But Allah knows that these bad qualities exist within us or these bad habits exist within us. So seeking forgiveness from Allah for that which He knows about us, which we may be ignorant of. So, وَيَعْلَمُوا مَا تَفْعَلُونَ وَيَسْتَجِيبُوا And He also responds. So He accepts tawbah, He pardons, and yastajibu. He responds. He responds to who? الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And they also do righteous deeds. What does it mean by this? That Allah responds to the believers who do righteous deeds. Meaning He responds to their prayers, to their du'as. He gives them what they ask for. He gives them what they ask for. So for example, in a hadith we learn that when a person says, Allahumma marzuqni, O Allah, provide me. O Allah, provide me. Allahumma marzuqni. When a person finds that he has a need and he asks Allah, that O Allah, fulfill this need of mine, then what happens? قَالَ اللَّهُ قَدْ فَعَلْتُ Allah says, I've done it. You asked for it, I've given it to you. I've given it to you. Meaning, it's already done. You will certainly get it. قَدْ فَعَلْتُ You understand? So, when a servant asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, with iman, while doing amal salih, then what happens? يَسْتَجِيبُ Allah responds, Allah answers, Allah gives to the servant what the servant wants. And I'm sure you've experienced this in your life, that you make dua for something, and you know that Allah responds, right? You're asking with iman, and what happens? Your dua is actualized. You see the results. You get what you wanted. You actually get what you wanted. So what does this teach us? That we must ask Allah with conviction, knowing that He responds, knowing that He gives. Because woman min Allah qila, who is more truthful than Allah in speech? Who is? No one is. And remember that the creation people are not able to remain true to their word. Why? Because of their weakness, or because of khiyana, isn't it? Sometimes we promise someone that we will give them something, we will take them somewhere, but then what happens? You run out of time. You run out of money, something or the other happens and you're not able to fulfill your promise to them. Why? Because of your weakness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above such weakness. When He says that yes, tajibu, then we must believe that yes, yes, tajibu. Allah does respond. He will answer my prayers. وَيَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And if we see that we're making dua for something over and over and over again, but we're not seeing its results, then what is it that we need to check? Ourselves. Because there is a condition. He responds to who? Those who believe and those who do righteousness. So if we want our duas to be accepted, then what do we need to do? Increase our iman. And also increase in our righteousness. And Ramadan, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to reach Ramadan, is the best time of making dua. 
Why? It's the month of du'as. Why? Because the gates of the sama are opened. And what does that mean? Send up whatever you want. Send up. There's going to be no traffic jam, nothing. Just send up. Right? Whatever you want. All your requests. You know, you see in cartoons, all the lists that children have prepared for Santa Claus. Right? Which never really are fulfilled. But that's actually true for a Muslim. You can actually make a list of du'as of like hundreds and hundreds of things and you could ask your Lord and He will answer your prayers. يَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَيَزِيدُهُمْ And He increases them. Meaning He gives them more مِنْ فَضْلِهِ Out of His bounty. What does it mean by that? He gives them more than they even asked for. They may not have made dua for a particular thing, but Allah gives it to them. If you think about it, everything that you have in your life, did you actually make dua for it? Did you actually make dua for it? You didn't. So there's so many blessings that Allah gives without the servants even asking for them. وَيَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا This is also understood in another way. That he responds as in he accepts. He accepts what? The good deeds. The good deeds of who? Those who believe and those who do righteousness. Allah accepts their good deeds. وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And he increases them from his bounty, meaning he gives them reward for their good deeds. He doesn't just accept, but he also rewards them. And he gives them the ability to do even more. He accepts their good deeds and then he increases them, meaning he gives them the ability to perform even more deeds. And if we connect this with dua, that يَزِيدُهُمْ min fadli, then he gives them reward for even making dua. Because what is dua? Dua is ibadah. It's an act of worship. So even for their asking Him, He rewards them. Amazing. When it comes to people, if you ask them, they might give you what you've asked them. Maybe. Right? But then are they happy with the fact that you asked them? No. No, they're not. But Allah loves to be asked. وَالْكَافِرُونَ And those who deny, لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ For them is a severe punishment. وَلَوْ and if بَسَطَ اللَّهُ Allah extended الرزق the provision if Allah extended the provision meaning He gave provision excessively in profusion to who? لِعِبَادِهِ to His servants meaning to all people in the world He gave them whatever they wanted what would happen? لَبَغَوْ surely they would have committed tyranny فِي الْأَرْضِ in the earth بَغَوْ from baghi, ba rain ya. And what does that mean? Crossing the limits, right? Transgression, exactly. And this can be in the form of oppressing others, injustice, committing tyranny. So, fil ard. If Allah gave to all servants whatever they wanted, what would happen? Chaos upon this earth. Because the thing is that People, their nature is such that no matter how much they have, they're not satisfied and they want more and more. And if they have something, they have enough, 
they will still want what the other has. And this is what leads to jealousy, it leads to differences in people, it leads to fighting, it leads to so many problems. I mean, if you think about it, just over the world's natural resources, right? whether it's oil or whatever it may be, how many problems exist just because of these natural resources? Isn't it so? So, لَبَغَوْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَكِنْ But يُنَزِّلُ He sends down, meaning he sends provision to his servants. How? بِقَدَرٍ According to a qadr. What is qadr? What is qadr? A certain measure. Meaning according to need and a measure that he knows is best for people. It's neither too much nor too little. وَلَكِنْ يُنَزِّلُ بِقَدَرٍ مَا يَشَاءُ In an amount that he wills. It's his decision. So he gives more to some and he gives less to others. He gives more to a person at one point and then at another point he gives him very little. Isn't it? I mean if you look at your life, there may have been a time when you had a lot of stuff and then there came a time when you didn't have a lot of stuff. Right? So it happens, this fluctuation is there for a reason. It is according to Mayasha, whatever Allah wills. And there is hikmah, there is wisdom behind that. Because you see, when you receive things in your life, that teaches you something. And when you lose things in your life, that also teaches you something. Isn't it? And if we constantly had, you know, if we had the same amount of things throughout our lives, then what would happen? We wouldn't make dua, we wouldn't you know, feel our need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We wouldn't feel, you know, pity for others, compassion for others. So Allah gives, He takes, He gives a lot and He gives little. This fluctuation is there. Why? There's wisdom behind that. Mayasha. And this is because innahu bi'ibadihi, indeed He is with His servants, khabirun basir, aware and seeing. Khabir. What does khabir mean? From khabar. Khabar is news, awareness. And khabir is one who is aware of the most subtle, the most hidden matters even. The most inner matters even. So khabir, he's fully aware of the in and out of people. He knows their weaknesses and their strengths and what they need at a certain time. And what they need to lose at a certain time in order to learn something. And he's basir, he watches them. In Surah Al-Hijr, Ayah 21, Allah says, وَإِن مِّن شَيْءٍ إِلَّا عِنْدَنَا خَزَائِنُهُ There is nothing except its treasures are with us. وَمَا نُنَزِّلُهُ إِلَّا بِقَدْرٍ مَعْلُومٍ And we do not send it except according to a known measure. وَهُوَ الَّذِي An example of that is given. And He is the one who يُنَزِّلُ الْغَيْثَ He sends down the rain. غَيْث the word ghayth is used for rain and there are many words in the Arabic language that are used for rain. Ghayth, istighatha, is also to seek help. Right? When is it that you seek help? In a state of desperation, in a state of neediness. So ghayth is actually rain that falls after a period of drought, after a period of dryness. When people are Desperate for rain. Any amount of rain. So ghayth is the much needed rain. And he sends al-ghayth. 
But when? Mimbardi after ma that qanatu they had despaired. They had almost given up. Qanatu qaf noon ta qunut. And that is to give up hope of any goodness. So they were deprived of rain for so long that they had almost given up. And what happened? Allah sent rain. What does this teach us? Never ever give up on Allah. Never. No matter how long it has been, no matter how many years it has been, no matter how great the losses have been, realize that relief will come. Allah will send it. And for that relief is also a certain time. There is a certain time. Look at, for instance, what happened in Fort McMurray. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all the people in that area. I mean, it's amazing how after the fires or with the fires, there is rain, right? And eventually, the air quality is hopefully improving, right? So when you're in that state of hardship or that state of deprivation, you think relief will never come. Sometimes it happens that a person begins to despair so much, he thinks, oh, I've lost everything. What's going to happen? And you think that, you know, it's over. It's all over. But no, for a believer, it's never all over. Because he believes in Rabbul Alameen. For a believer, it's never ever all over, no matter what he has lost. A friend of mine actually, she used to live in Fort McMurray up until just two weeks ago or so. And um, basically they've lost everything. And I was talking to her and she was saying that really it showed me the value, the worth of this dunya. She said, I saw giant houses, all right, million dollar houses, even more maybe. Prime location and, you know, the perfect house that you could imagine in this dunya. She said, I saw them burning like paper. I saw them burning like they were pieces of paper. As if they had no value. As if they had no worth whatsoever. And the whole time she was saying, may Allah save us from the fire of hell. May Allah save us from the fire of hell. Because... You know, the way the smoke was there and the huge fire was there and how it was coming as if it was something alive and just eating up and consuming everything in its way. She said, I truly understood what Jahannam is like and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He warns us over and over again because it's not something small. But alhamdulillah, as I was talking to her, no sadness about all oh, my things and my stuff and my house. I mean, for a woman, you can imagine how important her house is to us. Imagine losing 100% of your belongings. Because the only time she had was just to pick up her kids and run out the door. That's all the time she had just the chance to put on her hijab and arbaya, grab the kids and run out the door. She couldn't take anything with her. This is the reality of this dunya. But no matter what a person has lost, with iman, he can always, always have hope. And he must always have hope. Because who is it that we believe in? In Allah, Rabbul Alameen, who يُنَزِّلُ الْغَيْثَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا قَنَطُوا وَيَنْشُرُ رَحْمَتَهُ And he also spreads his mercy. He spreads his mercy. And mercy over here primarily is referring to rain. That how when rain falls, it, it falls everywhere. It's amazing, beautiful. وَهُوَ الْوَلِيُّ الْحَمِيدِ And He is Al-Wali, the real friend, 
the real protector. Al-Hamid, the praiseworthy. And this is what hardship and loss teach us. That it's not the things that we own which are our wali. No. It's not the dunya that is our protector. It's not the money or our job or our status or our house that's going to protect us. Hardships teach us, loss teaches us that Allah is Al-Wali. And also that He is Al-Hamid, the praiseworthy. Because in every decision of His, there is khair, there is benefit. So what may appear to be something so evil, like a whole city being devastated, so many houses and properties and businesses and so much getting destroyed, but there's still good that comes out of it. Isn't it? No matter how terrible a situation may be, there is always good that comes out of it. Just think about your own life. You know, the most hardest times even, the most difficult moments even, good came out of it. And so Allah is Al-Hamid, the most praiseworthy, the one who is deserving of praise all the time. You see over here, rain is described as mercy. All right? And sometimes we get annoyed by rain. Right? We complain about the fact that it's wet and you know the roads are wet, the driving is not that nice, or I have to wait for the bus and I'm getting wet and the cars are zooming by and you know I'm getting splashed with water. We learned that once rain fell, Right? And the Prophet ﷺ, he went outside. Right? So he was inside, rain was falling. So he actually went outside in the rain and he let down his upper shawl. Alright? And so rain was falling directly on his body, on his shoulders, on his head, on his chest, on his back. So he let down his upper shawl. Alright? And when he was asked that, Ya Rasulullah, why did you do this? He replied, because it has recently been with its Lord. Meaning it's coming from up above. It's falling from the sky. And what is in the sky is closer to Allah. So I want it to fall on me because this is Allah's mercy. Look at how the Prophet ﷺ loved rain. And if we look at things this way, this has come from Allah, this has come from my Lord, this is rahmah. You know, our attitude would change completely. Our mindset would change completely. We would be so calm and chill all the time. Because otherwise we are constantly worrying. Constantly worrying. So pessimistic, always looking at the negative side. And look at how positive the Prophet ﷺ was. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ And of his signs is خَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Is the creation of the skies and the earth. وَمَا بَثَّ And whatever that he has dispersed. Bath is to unravel something, meaning something was together, closed up, and you unravel it. And it's also used for blowing something. Alright? When you blow, what happens? What happens? It spreads. Right? Like for example, a dandelion, you blow it, and what will happen? Spread everywhere. So, وَمَا بَثَّ فِيهِمَا مِن and whatever that he has spread, dispersed, within them, within both of them, within both of what? The sky and the earth. What is it that he has dispersed within the sky and the earth? Dab. Moving creatures. Interesting. When we think about creatures, we think they're just on earth. But Allah says, Fihima. There are also creatures in the sky. And dabba, what is dabba? Living 
creature, moving creature, meaning a creature that can move by its own will. That can move by its own will, whether that movement is crawling or swimming or flying. And we know that where there are many creatures, many organisms within the earth, there is also many creatures within the sky. And they move. You know, for instance, birds even. Right? So, وَمَا بَثَّ فِيهِمَا مِن And he is عَلَى جَمْعِهِمْ Over gathering them all. إِذَا يَشَاءُ Whenever he wants. قَدِيرٌ Competent. Whenever he wants, he can actually gather all of them together in one place. Amazing. So many creatures spread throughout the earth. And if we had the task of gathering all the creatures in one place, it wouldn't be possible. Impossible. And Allah can gather all the creatures whenever He wants. This is His ability. And on the Day of Judgment, He will make that happen. وَإِذَا الْوَحُوشُ حُشِرَتْ When even the wahush, the wild animals, will be gathered up. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses and then we'll continue. You may stand up if you wish. أَمْ يَقُولُونَ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا فَإِنْ يَشَئِ اللَّهُ يَخْتِمْ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ وَيَمْحُ اللَّهُ الْبَاطِلَ وَيُحِقُّ الْحَقَّ بِكَلِمَاتِهِ إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَقْبَلُ التَّوْبَةَ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ وَيَعْفُو عَنِ السَّيِّئَاتِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ وَيَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَالْكَافِرُونَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ وَلَوْ بَسَطَ اللَّهُ الرِّزْقَ لِعِبَادِهِ لَبَغَوْا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَكِنْ يُنَزِّلُ بِقَدَرٍ مَا يَشَاءُ إِنَّهُ بِعِبَادِهِ خَبِيرٌ بَصِيرٌ وَهُوَ الَّذِي يُنَزِّلُ الْغَيْثَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا قَنَطُوا وَيَنْشُرُ رَحْمَتَهُ وَهُوَ الْوَلِيُّ الْحَمِيدُ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ خَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَثَّ فِيهِمَا مِنْ دَابَّةٍ وهو على جمعهم إذا يشاء قدير